Awesome. Well, um, it's great. So, Pastor Phil asked uh, us this morning. It's the first Sunday in December. There we go. First Sunday in December um, to do something kind of based around Advent. And um, so, I looked that up. That is a season observed in many churches as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the nativity of Jesus at Christmas. And it's a Latin word meaning coming or arriving. So that thought of the fact that we're leading up to Christmas, this arrival of our Savior on earth. Uh, and um, so what I thought is that I, I looked around and I thought I'm going to preach on John the Baptist this morning. Um, and yeah, I'll explain why. That is, but he's a huge part of that Advent story. And I'm going to start, I'm going to read in Mark chapter 1. Mark, one of the best Gospels, because it gets to the point, nice and quick. Um, and so I'm going to read from Mark 1, verses 1 to about 8. Um, so if you just want to get that, and then you can follow me along. My name's Simon, by the way, one of the elders and teachers here. Really great to be with you this morning, and back in my home church after being away for a couple of weekends. Um, so, <clears throat> it says this in Mark 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the river Jordan. And John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Of course, talking about Jesus. And as we look then at this thought that Jesus is arriving on the scene, um, and it is the advent, the coming of Jesus, it actually starts with this. It says, this is the beginning of the good news. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah actually starts with a messenger, someone that will prepare a way for him, a herald's voice in the desert crying, make ready the way of the Lord, clear him a straight path. So the beginning of the good news always starts with a messenger. And for me, this really sums up how Jesus works in the world. There's this great mystery of Christianity in the church that he chooses to use us to bring people to Jesus Christ. What an amazing mystery that we get used by Jesus to bring people to him. You know, we can't save people. We know that. We can't do that salvation work, but we can tell people about Jesus and we can bring people to him. And that is the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, is that it starts with a messenger and that messenger is me and you. And I really believe that as we look at John the Baptist this morning, that there is only one John the Baptist. It sounds a bit like a football chant. There's only one John the Baptist. I don't know, not that anyone ever does that. But it, there is only one John the Baptist. But I do believe that we are called to a ministry of being like John the Baptist. A John the Baptist style ministry is what we're called to. And I believe as we pick through this 
scripture and, and some of the things it said about John the Baptist, you'll see some things that we are called to be as Christians uh, and to follow on in his stead. And the first thing that I think John had is I call it a ministry of noise. He had a ministry of noise. Get your head around that one for a second. And the reason I say that is that there's two particular things and words used to describe him. And they ain't quiet words. And the first is this. They say he was one, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. So it's not crying tears, it's crying out. This is a guy that was out there and he had a voice and he was crying out saying, listen to me, here I am, listen to what I've got to say. I've got something to say. This guy was a noisy guy. And that's the first question I want to pose to you. Do we make a big shout about our God or is it a small whimper? You know, another word for him was, they called him a herald, a herald of the Lord. And for me, a herald, if you think of some old films where um, on film they'd announce the king and then he'd kind of come down from steps at the, at the, at the, uh, where the doorway was, but they would have heralds that would announce the fact that the king was coming and they'd have trumpets and you'd get that music. I don't know. That's what they would do. And it would announce the fact that the king was coming and they used trumpets. It's one of the loudest instruments that you can do and it's saying, listen, someone important is coming and you have to you can't ignore it because it's so loud and that's it you see John the Baptist was not called the voice of one whispering in the desert I've got some good news and anyone hear me he was loud he said I've got some good news listen to what I've got to say he had a ministry of noise you know some of the terms that were given to John the Baptist witness of the Lord trumpet of heaven herald of Christ voice of the word and this is the encouragement and the challenge I want to bring to us this morning is that we've got an amazing message wrapped up in Christmas and in Jesus and the church and we need to make some noise about this thing you know I think of that that passage it says I'm not ashamed of the gospel I'm not ashamed of the gospel and the one I love. You know, we're bringing good news. The very name of the gospel is good news. I've got good news for you. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And we need, as a bunch of Christians, a ministry of noise to make some noise about the good news that, what, that we've got in God and in Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing I noticed about John the Baptist is that he had that ministry of noise, a voice of one crying in the desert, a herald for the Lord. And the second thing he did is he prepared the way for Jesus and he also made the, straight, uh, the path straight to him. And I believe that he did this in two ways. And the first is this, he reminded people of their need for him. He preached a gospel of repentance. He reminded people of their condition. So I, f I believe that that's something else that we're then called to do. We're called to do as a bunch of Christians in the world. We're called to be the salt of the world. We're called to remind people of their condition and their need for a saviour. And it's a really difficult balance to get, I think, in the world. Because it's a, a message the world doesn't want to hear although they need to hear it. But I also believe it's a real fine balance for us not to come across as being um, condemnatory uh, and come across as a harsh voice. But praise God, the message of John 
the Baptist didn't just come across as you need to repent and turn from your, your sins on what you're doing. It came alongside a, a, a message of baptism and forgiveness of sins. And it was followed by the introduction of Jesus Christ and a message of mercy and grace. And that's what makes our message so amazing. And that's what we need to be in the world. We need to be that presence that reminds people of their condition and that they do need a saviour, to remind people that they do need forgiveness, to remind people that they do need to turn from some things, and to do that via our presence and via our voice in this world, to be a noise around those things. But praise God that we've got that thing that follows it up that goes, but there is forgiveness of sin, there is baptism, there is all of those things. So that's one way that he prepared people that they needed Jesus. But the other thing that he did, and I believe that what his ministry represents, is a ministry of removing the hurdles to bring people to Christ. And there are so many hurdles and blockages for people finding Christ in this world. You know, as I look around, <coughs> we've got secularism that stops people finding Christ. Just the very fact that people in our society, we don't talk about Jesus anymore. I did the early service um, already this morning and, and I'm sure that some of the older generations, you know, when, we, when you grew up in school, they would have assemblies and they would talk about Jesus and they would share the stories and people just grew up knowing stories like Jonah and the whale and all sorts of things like that. But I'm telling you, there's people growing up right now and they know nothing about the Bible. They know nothing about Jesus just because it's secular. You know, there's an aggressive atheism out there that would want to stop people from hearing, to stop people who would share about Jesus from ever being able to hear about Jesus. And it reminds me of my own story and the fact that, you know, uh, my mum found Jesus in hospital because a Christian nurse shared the gospel with her. And would that happen today? That wouldn't happen today, would it? And yet, that is what made the way straight. Family and friends that don't want people to find out about Christ Jesus. Religious things that would say, we can't even share Jesus. We don't want to, you know, anyone to hear about him. People have got language issues, so they don't hear the good news about Jesus. Isolation stops people from finding out about him. Loneliness, poverty, not knowing any Christians at all. There's loads of people that don't even know a Christian. You might be the only Christian they know. Physical problems that stop people getting to church. Doubts and questions are just lost and mired in the way that they live. Not thinking they need him or even put off by us as Christians. And I really don't believe that the Gospels are ordered accidentally. And I think it's amazing that as we go into Mark chapter 2, we find a bunch of people picking up a John the Baptist style ministry of making the way straight and preparing the way for Jesus. And it starts off, it's almost like one of the immediate stories that Mark picks on to explain this whole thing. It starts off with John the Baptist. The second part of chapter one is saying, introducing Jesus. And then the second bit is just this amazing combination of, of, of a story where what happens is there's a paralyzed man and he's got a bunch of friends that want to take him to Jesus. And we've got a load of problems and a load of hurdles that we find immediately. The first thing is paralyzed, so he can't walk. He can't physically get to Jesus Christ. The second thing is they, they take him and then they find this place where Jesus is and it's surrounded by crowds. So they can't physically get into the building now where Jesus is. 
And it then goes on to be this amazing story where what they do is they take him on the roof and this crazy bunch of people rip open the roof and then lower this guy in so that he can meet Jesus. And we find this amazing end to this story where um, they take him to Jesus and he gets healed and he finds Jesus. And I see in this story just that amazing John the Baptist style ministry of a, a bunch of people clearing the way to, and making the path straight to introduce someone to Jesus Christ. And I observe quite a few things in that story. The first is this. It must have been dirty work. The fact that these people, they had to actually you know, rip open that roof. I'm sure they were using tools and using their bare hands to open up that roof. And I really believe that if we're to be a John the Baptist style people who bring people to Jesus and make straight the path to get to Jesus, we have to be prepared to get our hands dirty and to get stuck into people's lives and to actually do something. It's going to involve doing that. If we're going to bring people to Jesus Christ, it's going to mean a bit of dirty work. It's also hard work. If you think about the fact that they had to carry a friend who was paralyzed, they had to carry this person. Then they had to tear through a roof and then lower him down. I think that might have been hard work. I think they could have given up on that and just went, it looks a bit, you know, looks a bit um, busy in there. We won't take him to Jesus. These people were so determined that people would come to Jesus Christ that they would carry him to a roof and rip open a roof, however hard that was. It is hard to bring people to Jesus. I love the fact as well is that they, they tore down a structure that was ob an obstacle to getting to Jesus Christ. They tore down a structure. It reminds me of the stories of uh, a few people that have been attached to kind of Calvary Chapel here and, uh, and um, been to the college and things like that. And there's the famous story of the guy that started it. And, and he had a church and the, the hippies, it was in California, started to visit the church. And they were starting to destroy the carpet because they'd come in from the ocean and they'd have like the salt and the feet and the sand and it was starting to mess the carpet up. Uh, and... They, um, so people in the church were like, we've just laid this carpet, it's beautiful, it's destroying the carpet, we need to ask people to start wearing shoes to come to church, because otherwise it's going to you know, destroy the carpet. So of course the pastor decided the opposite, he said, well what we're going to do, we'll rip out the carpet, and so just have hardwood so that people can actually find Jesus, and that's what he did. And he, they ripped up structures that that were an obstacle to people coming to Jesus Christ. I believe that that again is an example. What structures are stopping people come and finding Jesus Christ? They're not part of church. They're not part. What can we do to rip apart structures to, that are ob obstacles to people finding Jesus Christ? Another thing I notice in this story is that it took ingenuity. You know, the fact that they, they saw this blockage and it, took, it must have taken a bit of planning, the fact that they weren't right. So there's a blockage there. So what's another way into Jesus? Well, what we can do is, if you just see up there, let, get the, the, the plans out of the building. The actual stairs, they're free. We can get people to the roof. Uh, and then what we need to do is we need to, we know that the roof is probably a bit of a weaker structure, so we can take that apart. And then what we're going to have to do is devise a pulley system to actually get him down, because we don't want to drop him down, because that would be a bit mean, wouldn't it? So we've got to devise like a, a pulley system to actually get him from the roof down people that took ingenuity that took planning that was clever and I think that sometimes we're not clever enough in how we present the gospel and and, and reaching people you know we just expect that people are going to just turn up to church and just go what can I do to be saved 
Praise God if they do, and God does work his spirit. But man, we need to be a people that, that get, are willing to get our hands dirty, to work hard, to bring people to Jesus Christ, to tear through every structure and obstacle, either in the church or out of the church, that would stop people finding Jesus Christ, to be clever about how we do it and think, how can we reach those people? Are you hungry? Okay, well, we'll feed you, but we'll, also feed, we'll then point you to the bread of life. Are you mourning? Well, okay, we'll, we'll comfort you, but can I also point you to the one that comforts? Are you paralyzed? Are you blind? Well, we'll take you to the Jesus that can heal you, but can we also point you to true healing and inner healing? Not only that, but they carried someone when they couldn't carry themselves. And I believe there's a bunch of people out there that, that can't find Jesus because they just can't carry themselves. And we need to be willing to carry people that can't carry themselves to Jesus. And they worked together. It was a bunch of friends, and that's what I like about this story. It's a bunch of friends that just went, we're going to bring people to Jesus because we care about one of our other friends and our brothers. And I believe that it's a real picture of ministry and church, the fact that we don't have to do this thing on our own. But what can we do as a bunch of people committed to bringing people to Jesus Christ? Together we can achieve far more than we could ever do on our own. And I really believe that this is the example of a John the Baptist-style ministry, of a bunch of people saying, what can we do? do to prepare the way for Jesus and to make that path straight for our friend to find Jesus Christ and it ends with him being brought to Jesus it ends with him being healed and it ends with him finding Jesus as his saviour and having his sins forgiven as well and I want to pose this how does it relate to Christmas then and I really believe that we need a special ministry every year of bringing people to Christ at this time because I believe that there are more and more obstacles around Christmas, around people finding Jesus. You know, rampant secularism and commercialism. You know, I've got this bad analogy, but people can't see the real Jesus at Christmas anymore because he's wrapped in layer after layer of cheap wrapping paper. And I really believe that it is our job at Christmas as a, a church and a bunch of Christians to make the way straight and to, to reveal back the true Jesus of Christians, of, of, of Christmas, of what we're doing. We need to tear through those things, reveal back that true Jesus. I want to ask us, what traditions have we got that, you know, that maybe get in the way of Jesus, that we can get rid of so that people can see that true Jesus again? What is it about commercialism? Can we tear down some of that commercialism uh, and, and show people that, that life isn't filled by the presence and the money and what you spend, but there's true love behind it? What can we do to bring people to Jesus this Christmas? You know, what events are on? You've seen all the, the advertisement. You've seen what we're doing over the next few weeks. You've seen the fact that we're even going out. People that can't come to us, well, we'll go to you. We'll come and sing carols in your place if you can't make it to us. What can we do to make it easy? If we invite someone, can we make the path even straighter? Can we actually go and pick them up in our car? Instead so of just sending out an invite and saying, hey, would you like to go? Can we make it even easier? Can we send a text to someone to remind them that, we, that they're coming to church? What can we do to make the path straight and to prepare the way for Jesus Christ this Christmas? And it's not just Christmas, is it? Look at all the other stuff we do, and I love it. The fact that, you know, at Hope House, you know, can you not find Jesus because you can't speak English? Then we'll teach you English then so you can understand the sermons. Have we met someone that can't read the English Bible? Well, let us get you a Bible then in your own language 
so that you can. Let's make it easy for you to find Jesus Christ. Are you hungry? Is that stopping you find Jesus? Then we'll come to a meal and we'll feed you. Are you addicted? Then we'll help you and we'll help you find your saviour. If you know job, then we'll help you. No friends, are you lonely? Well, we'll come and visit you and we'll bring you to Jesus. Are you getting older? Are you lonely? We'll come and, and spend some time at 50 plus. All of this is based on Isaiah. It's the verse that, 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 that prophesied John the Baptist. Isaiah 40, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, and the rug, rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. People in a valley can't see a way out. People that are mired in a valley, they're lost in hopelessness and they can't see anything. They can't see God because they can't see a way out. Can we be people that bring a hope and a future to those people and fill in the valleys so that they can see a way out and they can see God? People with a mountain in front of them can't see God because they can't see over the problems they're facing. What can we do to remove those obstacles, to level those mountains so that people can get to God? You know, it was said in there that they would make a highway for our God. That's what we're called to do, to make a road, to get people to meet Jesus. And you know, the modern word for a highway is a motorway. Let's make an M1 for Jesus. That's it. It really is. What can we do to get as many people as possible to introduce him to Jesus Christ? And they all connect together. We need a ministry of noise where we speak loudly about this stuff. We are a voice calling out. We have got good news. Listen to us. We've got a saviour. We've got an amazing friend in Jesus Christ. And what obstacles can I remove to get you to find and meet this Jesus Christ? That's what we need a ministry of, a ministry of noise and a ministry of making a motorway for people to get to God. And by the way, when they get there, we still preach a gospel of repentance and baptism. And yet the way is narrow and the path to find him, so the way might be narrow, but the path to find him can be wide. So let's introduce as many people as we can to Jesus Christ and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. It's the ministry that John had. But here's the thing, to do this ministry, he had to do it in the wilderness. He lived slightly outside of society. He lived a life slightly off kilter. He wore animal skins and ate locusts. He was just a bit different. And I believe that there's a message in that for us, that for people to hear our voice, they have to see that there's something slightly different about us, to have that ministry of noise. And I think so often people don't hear our voice because we cry out and it, 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 our voice sounds just the same as everyone else's. We don't sound any different. Our message is not that different. And I believe that there's something about the strangeness of John the Baptist, that he's an extreme example. I don't expect you to all to go around wearing weird clothing and eating locusts and honey you can if you want but I believe there's something in that for us that there's something it's calling us to and I think the other thing around the wilderness thing is that so much of ministry can feel a bit of a wilderness at times it can feel lonely it can feel hard work it must feel like giving up in the heat and the pressure and the thirst that can be uh, produced by being in the wilderness 
It must feel hard being a bit of a lone voice in your workplace. I'm sure there's people in the room that just sometimes think, man, am I a lone voice calling out in my workplace? Is there anyone else calling out saying, I've got some great news about Jesus Christ? Does it feel a bit like being a lone voice in your family sometimes? A, one, a voice crying out in the wilderness? Are you the only person in your family or wider family that keeps banging on about Jesus, keeps talking about this saviour? Or in your school or in your family or on your street or whatever position that you've been placed? It can feel a bit like being out in the wilderness when you're crying out on behalf of Jesus and you're bringing people to him. But God has got a special promise for those who serve in the wilderness. And it's again found in Isaiah and in chapter 58. And it's just the words you'll know where it says this. The Lord will guide you always. And it goes on to say, he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. What else is a sun-scorched land other than a wilderness? I don't know what that is. And he says, when you're in that place, I'll satisfy your needs and I will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And here's the encouragement that when we are that voice crying out in the wilderness, saying, I've got an amazing news, I've got this ministry of noise, I'm bringing people to Jesus Christ. When it feels like a wilderness, God's promises fall on you and they are these. He says, I'll guide you, I'll satisfy you, I'll strengthen you, I'll water you and I will never fail. And that's the promise for the ministry of one crying out in the wilderness. And here's a quote about John. It says, John discovered that selfless service for a beloved master and friend is one of the greatest imaginable sources of peace and joy. He truly understood the blessing that Jesus was bringing into the world and he just felt blessed to be a part of that process. And I want to ask you this morning, is that what we feel? Man, it might be hard. I go back to those guys. It's hard work. We have to get our hands mucky. We have to strength to take people to him we have to go out and reach people for Jesus Christ and it can feel like being in a wilderness and it can feel like hard work at times okay think why are we doing this stuff is anyone listening are we just banging on about Jesus and yet the greatest thing that John ever knew out of all the things he gave up and all the sacrifices he made was that he was just blessed to be part of that process I just want to remind you this morning that you get a blessing just being part of that process. And if you've never experienced it, never been part of a ministry that brings people to Jesus Christ and see people actually come to faith in Jesus Christ and being part of a church where that's happening, it's just a blessing to be part of that process, just to see people come and go, praise God that they have met their saviour, praise God that they've surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. And all the other things just fade into insignificance compared to the greatness of that. And so John goes out and he does it and it just lands in verse 4 and it says, And John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, doing this ministry of noise. He just went out and he did it and he preached to crowds. And it says in verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. And I really believe that this is a biblical principle, that if we do these things, it will draw crowds and people will be attracted to it. People want to hear this stuff and I believe it is a biblical principle you look at Jesus Christ you know Jesus had a ministry of crowds you know he had 5,000 people followed him 6,000 people he had to feed thousands and thousands of people followed him because he also carried this same message 
I think we see it throughout Christian history. You know, we mentioned this morning John Wesley, this famous man that would go out and preach, that preached 40,000 sermons in his lifetime outdoors. And he did, and he preached sometimes to crowds of up to 20,000 people without a microphone. Crowds came. And I believe that John Wesley carried on the John the Baptist style ministry. He had a ministry of noise that said, I'm here. I've got something to say. I've got good news. Come and listen to me. And then he preached a, a, a gospel of repentance and baptism. And he made it easy for the poor and outcast in his society and in his day to find Jesus. That's why he went and preached outside because people weren't coming into church. So John Wesley went out and went, right, I'm going to preach to thousands outside then. And crowds came and I believe that if we follow these things that people want to hear it but here's the thing this was what it's always been about it's all about Jesus we just get the part to play but our part is just bringing people to Jesus and it says in verse 7 that this was his message. So yes, he had a ministry of noise. He was loud and he said, look at me. Look at me. I've got something to say. Stop ignoring me. Stop falling asleep in the pews. Look at me. He's noisy. And he had a message to preach. But his message was this. After me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. And I just believe in that encapsulates the ministry of the church and of the Christian on earth. It's this. It's to say, look at me. And people go, why? Because I want you to look at him. Look at me because I've got a message after me. I'm just here. I'm the message. I'm just the beginning of the good news. I'm just the beginning of the good news, which is a messenger about the one that is greater than I. He's more powerful than I. The straps, I can't even, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoelaces. All of his ministry pointed to Jesus. What he did is he did his bit and then he stepped aside and he said, Now Jesus, do what only you can do. Let me introduce you to Jesus because it's Jesus that will truly heal you. In fact, as you know, you may not know that John the Baptist goes on and, and he meets a gruesome end. He's beheaded. But even in that is God's symbolism of saying that John the Baptist starts out on the scene. He's just the messenger. And then a couple of chapters into the Gospels, he disappears because he's not meant to be there. Just like us. All we're here to do is just say, can I introduce you to my mate? And then I'm off. I'm gone because it's actually all about Jesus. John the Baptist leaves the scene and we need to leave the scene and let our saviour do his work. I think sometimes we can keep on the scene and, and they try and take that a bit of it for ourselves or try and fix people and Jesus is going, you can't fix people, let me do it. I think we should stick around the scene, by the way, to do all that discipleship, all that help, all that walking alongside, all of that stuff. But let's not try and do the bit that only Jesus can do. And ultimately, it was about the disciples. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. And as I finish, it reminds me of um, the, the hymn I, or the song I chose when I got baptised. And it's the, I don't know if Robin Mark wrote it or the, it's the mandate singers, but it's just the words. Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. All of my ambitions, hopes and plans, I surrender these into your hands. For it's only on your will that I am free. Jesus, all for Jesus.
And as we finish, I really believe that in a John the Baptist ministry, that we are called to a John the Baptist style ministry as a church and as Christians. And it's this, it is to be a ministry of noise. We need to be a noisy church. We need to be a noisy people saying, look at us. We have a life transforming message. We have good news. We are messengers of the God and our message is that there is an amazing news. We need to be a people that make straight the paths and prepare the way for Jesus, that reminds people they do need a saviour, they do need a friend, they do need forgiveness. A people that do that and a people that remove every obstacle and every structure that would stop people coming to Jesus Christ. But when they do come to Jesus Christ, we get that amazing blessing of saying, we've done our job, I'm going to exit the scene and I'm going to let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. So it's only Jesus that can save, only Jesus that can transform, only Jesus that can deal with character. And I'm going to let Jesus come in and do what only Jesus could do. And John the Baptist did that, but I believe that it's not consigned to that history, it's what we're to do. And we've got an amazing opportunity at Christmas, so let's use all that we can, let's make it as easy as people as possible, as clear as possible for people to find Jesus Christ. Jesus, all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever hope to be. Father God, we thank you this morning for our time with you. We just want to say, Jesus, it is all about you. We thank you that you've saved us, Lord. We thank you that you use us in your ministry. And we pray that we, Lord, would get that opportunity to share you this Christmas, introduce you to people, and then just watch as you then go in and do what only you can do, Jesus, in people's lives, to transform, to heal, to bless, and to bring more people into your family. Use us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to finish there. We're going to sing one final song.